Hello and welcome to the second instalment of that Greaves and Rooney sports podcast. I'm Dan Greaves. I'm Martin Rooney. I think first of all we should really thank everyone for all of your lovely and nice comments after the first episode. It was great to get some positive feedback and you know it was a little bit daunting recording it we didn't know how it was going to uh yeah, how people were going to react i think you can tell we were pretty nervous <laughs> yeah so. but yeah thanks so much for all of your lovely messages um and we really hope you enjoy the second installment yeah today we're going to be talking about um warm weather training um the myths the science and our experiences all over the world um i don't know how juicy the stories will be I don't know. We'll try and try and keep them not going to incriminate anybody above PG. So, yeah, that's it. Kicks away, Commonwealth champion for discus down. Rooney gets the goal. Medal at the last four Paralympic Games. Martin Rooney ran a great race in lane one. Great character. Well done, Dan Greaves. So we are here, and we're talking about warm weather training, and it's absolutely pissing it down outside, which I think is quite appropriate. It's pretty apt. This is uh, we're in Loughborough. And uh, we're at the Elite Athlete Hotel. Yeah, like a, a brand new building, brand spanker, in a couple of high wingback comfortable chairs. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a nice place, but like, yeah, it's very apt. We're in Loughborough, it's raining outside, and we're going to talk about warm weather training trips. Yeah, um, I guess it's a staple for every elite athlete to try and benefit from. Um, to go abroad because as we're looking around ourselves as we're looking around now you can see such great um, Loughborough sports facilities but today it's smashing it down with rain and our sport is obviously a predominantly outside sport so rain doesn't stop play like it does in cricket and tennis in athletics so we have to be able to, to cope with that but also we have to go and benefit from the sunshine and get away from this horrible rain yeah, like uh, it's all well and good having all the facilities, all the gear, but if you're training in cold conditions, your body's not going to reach the, the levels that it's meant to. I know there'll be people saying, oh, we're being soft, but <laughs> <laughs> athletes, the great athletes of the British past have been doing warm weather training for centuries, for, for years, uh, for decades. So um, it's just a, it's just the normal thing. It's not new. It's not um, flashy. It's just part of athletics and it's part of, where you look at where all the best athletes in the world tend to be, they tend to be in warmer climates. Yeah. And so I guess I need to start, we'll start with our favourite, favourite venues. Where's your, where's your like favourite go-to place? Um, my favourite place was actually the place I hated the most at the start was uh, Irvine uh, in California. We used to go to Irvine, California with Nick Dakin's group. It's the same place as Roger Black, John Regis, uh, Chris Akabusi, all those guys used to go. Oh, wow, some big the names go there. And stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a very popular place. I think Ed Moses used to train in the area. Um, very, very popular place. Very nice part of the world. Um, but I hated it when I first went there. Really? Yeah, I, first time to America and I couldn't, I was too young to drive. <laughs> and Yeah, uh, that, I mean, when you see, you see, this you know this country we can we can drive around when we're a lot younger there you can't it's well it's just renting a car was so expensive um and you need a and, car to get around yeah public transport wasn't the best but um no irvine it's just uh one of these big big places with lots to do just just out of your reach when you're 19 years old 20 years old you can't really go and explore it enough but we we kept going every year 
So after my first year, I decided I was getting my own car. I was paying the extra under 25 surcharge, which was $17 a day. Oh, yeah. So over six weeks, it added up quite a bit. Yeah, like it soon adds up, doesn't it? Yeah. Go on these trips and to have access to then, you can go and hang out and drive for dinner and everything else. Just, uh, I'm, I've, I've been fiercely independent from a young age. And uh, to, not, to rely on uh, a coach or a training partner to take you around, shuttle you around like you're uh, back in primary school with your mum taking you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it felt for me. Uh, so to have the car to myself was, uh, was a big deal. Yeah, when you um, go away like a young age like that, you want to be able to explore and go and, go and see the world and places you visit because you very rarely get that, don't you? You know when you go warm with the training, it's kind of part and parcel of your job. Yeah, it's true. Um, I think with competitions, you don't get to see anything. Like, so warm yeah. weather training, at least you get the opportunity to explore a bit. But uh, yeah, Irvine, California, what a place. It's uh, your Newport, uh, the OC was the OC, big show. Yeah, yeah. The big show when I was kind of like in my late teens. So to see that, to be there and be training and my Facebook was on fire. Well, <laughs> Pictures palm of trees me at everywhere. Newport Beach and <laughs> Huntington Beach and stuff. Uh, and the training facilities were pretty good as well. Isn't that where they have like the the Baywatch-esque lifeguard, great big white huts on the beach? Yeah. Is that that kind of place? Yeah, we we did that um, standard Baywatch on the... Laguna Beach. Laguna, was it Laguna Beach? I think it was even Newport or Laguna and we we're doing like looking down the beach, you know, like blue steel and all those <laughs> posing up on top of the lifeguard huts and stuff. Um, and we had a massive group of people going there at that time. So it was pretty... Uh, when you're 20, 21 years old, those are fun yeah. things you enjoy. Living the life in California. Yeah. What about you? It's hard to put my finger on my favorite. I think obviously Phoenix is and Arizona is like such a, a great place. You wake up every morning. And I think for me, going there every morning with a blue, like blue sky, being faced with blue sky, psychologically, it's, you know, you can go to some great great locations around the world like San Diego which the you know the environment is a bit temperamental sometimes San in April and May Diego. San Diego but for me I what's the anchorman what, they, what did he call it a whale's a whale's vagina <laughs> it's built by the Germans in <laughs> in 19 so many quotes we could maybe we should do that as a pod we just do like quote favorite film quotes yeah. Um, but for me, Arizona, Phoenix, hands down, my Paradise Valley, where I train with John. Waking up every morning to blue sky, like that's why that's why you go. It so mm. instantly gives you like a massive boost, and yep. like being able to throw outside in the sunshine, in the heat, at nine o'clock in the morning when it's like eighty degrees. Yeah, massive win, and loads of cool places to hang out. The only thing is, you have to go to the lakes to like get the whole beach aspect because. It's in the middle of America. Well, it's not in the middle of America, but it's in the middle of land. That's true, yeah. You haven't got that those cool places to go and hang out, like in San Diego or LA. Or, yeah, or but like a, as a training camp, Arizona seems to tick every box. It's hot, consistently hot every day. Yeah, facilities are good. It's not the it's not cheap, but it's not the most expensive place in the world to be. It's not like San Maritz or something like that. No. Um, so it ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, to be honest, actually, I don't like the beach. I just. You, know, <laughs> you just, just there. You have to go see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess the novelty wears off. I mean, mm. you've been to Florida a few times. Like, yeah, do you Florida's think like different? It's different. Yeah, it is like, how different is that then to 
would you say California? Uh, California, um, I suppose we were spoiled. Um, and everyone thinks we're spoiled anyway, so fair enough. Uh, <laughs> going to Irvine, California, it, it just had a nice vibe about it. It was quite, um, I suppose, uh, less redneck. Florida. <laughs> Florida is special. I think, I think a lot of Americans find Florida special. It's different. It's an interesting part of the world. The weather is probably better in Florida. Um, I The best place I trained in Florida was at the IMG Academy in Bradenton. Um, it's just south of Tampa. And I really liked that side of Florida. I just don't like Orlando. I don't like... No, the whole Disneyland thing. Disney, I'm, I'm not on holiday. I, and it might sound like I'm on holiday. Um, but when I'm out on warm weather training, it's there to take care of business is there yeah. to do the best best job I can uh, with the, the amount of time I'm out there so Orlando doesn't tick that box for me Daytona Beach we trained there with Rainer's group it was pretty dull which is kind of what you need apart from the NASCAR the NASCARs you, I never actually went to see it I, we stayed literally in the shadow of the stadium yeah. which was huge and I never actually went into it it's but, one of it I'd love I'd actually love to go and see one even though they just go round and round and round and round, and there are a few, oh yeah, crashes, but like the noise apparently is phenomenal. It's yeah, like yeah. I don't know how many cars, like 30, 40 cars in a race all together. Apparently, it is, it is pretty, pretty spectacular. What's the best event you've done on warm weather tra training? Like, so what's the best thing that you've done away from training as a, a downtime? Um, we went to go and see the Diamondbacks play a baseball okay basically they're obviously baseball is predominantly played in america but they're world champions <laughs> 11 times world champions um or world series champions whatever it is and um yeah we like we went a group of athletes and then um, we actually got to to go and throw some some balls from the pitch did you yeah it was it was pretty it was pretty cool um that's quite cool did you reach just about. I tell you what, it's longer than you think. Yeah, and I know. those guys, they peg it what hundred plus miles an hour. Yeah. And I think I, I think I topped out at sixty six. Wow. And they, they all had they had high expectations. But yeah, yeah, of course. Mate, I was nowhere near those pitches. Those guys have They're phenomenal arms. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we got to do that. But but it's just a piss up. Like no one actually yeah, watches yeah. the sport. It's everyone's just there, blind drunk, and then whenever they get a home run, they're like, "Yeah, like this." It's a bit like the darts. It's a bit like, the, yeah, very much like the darts. Not as entertaining as the darts. No, they're, I think they're a bit more athletic than, than the darts. I don't need to offend darts players, but they're like they are pretty. I'm sure, Van Gogh and won't be offended. No. It's a different. It's like like darts to me is when you watch it live, it is like a massive party. But when you watch mm. it on the TV, to see them get like so accurate into like such a tiny space like those darts it's pretty incredible where baseball is like you just have good had good hand-eye coordination yeah uh, obviously they've had lots of drug abuse so there's obviously some kind of power performance kind of thing in there yeah but um yeah i've never i never went to see baseball i yeah. used to go we, i've seen the lakers play once that was pretty cool i saw the oh, clippers awesome. um clippers a couple of times but actually to be honest i'm not a basketball fan it was just the experience of going to see it um, whilst we were in California, whilst we were in LA, and that was pretty cool. What would be like you go to event if you go to any event in the states or on a on a? Camp? I went to watch uh, Christian Taylor. He took me to watch um, a bowl game. So it was like Florida versus Michigan. Um, whilst we were in, they were playing in Orlando. It was like a exhibition game, basically. And I loved watching the American football. 
it's still a piss up. Like, yeah. it's still everyone on the tailgating outside <laughs> and stuff like that. And I people obviously traveled from, like, from Michigan. Yeah. So they were there for a big party um, to come down to Florida. And that was cool. And I'd love to go watch some more college games. Uh, actually, ones that matter, ones that, um, you know, when you go to those, like, 90,000-seat stadiums and it's just noise. Like, well, I like, like, like Park. Just bigger. I just I, I since spending a lot of time in the states with like John and everything and the guys and for the last like three or four years, mm. I just can't get over how big like college sport is over there. It's like it's mind blowing. It's bigger than like Premier League football. Mm, I would say it's bigger, but but like it's it's, like, it's probably it's, bigger it's, than it's like a, rugby. Yeah, they're they're the they're. Um, John was saying that ESPN for the NCAA is there. Um, annual I think it's an annual investment into college sport is like two billion. But for Kotler as in this is not a, it's not even a professional paid. team. Like yeah, not one of them can get paid or get yeah. sponsored. Yeah. This is like and a see, college team. Universities making cash. Oh well. It's right. I reckon like now with what's your what's been your like your worst trip or a trip that worst you would deem would, camp or uh, like a, the worst venue you've probably ever been on a camp? Um I've been pretty lucky with the camps I've gone to. Um, Lisbon this year was cold and wet. It was pretty much the same so as the same as Liverpool. Yeah, it was basically. Um, I went with the British Athletics camp, which is funded by British Athletics, and um, I think it was hastily kind of arranged. Um, and the weather just wasn't very good. I think it rained pretty much ninety percent of the time. It wasn't warm. We had days where it was down at eight degrees and stuff, which is kind of. It's the reason you go away, isn't it? Yeah. Well, now, as you know now, going away isn't just about the warmth. It's about sleeping, yeah. <laughs> eating, sleeping, recovery. and training. It's just like you're we're family men now, so we need to go away and we need to just get some kip and get on with the job at hand. Like um, we've both got very supportive part, uh, wives, and uh, they do a lot of the, the the manual work, I suppose. But going away now for me is about let my body catch up on sleep, let my body not have to carry kids the whole time around. And I think that's a big deal. So like, but, yeah. I was just, um, I, I, one of the quotes, I was just I was just doing a little bit of research about warm weather training and stuff. And um, Peter Keane said, the bottom line is that the body does not get fitter through exercise, it gets fitter through recovery. Would you now, being a family man and everything, would, does that resonate more to you than maybe in previous? So, I, I think um, for me personally, the amount of you notice your training de- um, level goes down when you don't sleep as well. So yeah. There's that and your body's constantly on at like a higher stress level. So yeah. you don't ever get the chance to like get the gains of the sessions that you're putting in. And that's what I loved about warm weather. Like uh, I went to Australia last year and I got really fit. Not very fast, but I got really fit. Yeah. And then that, like, eight weeks or whatever, I was probably the fittest I was, I'd been in years. Um, I just, unfortunately, didn't get very fast. But how do you think about, like, getting on way? Do you, do you... Yeah, I like, I think, like, that, that quote from from Peter, for me, before, I was like, nah, it's, it's all about, it's all about the exercise, it's all about the training, it's all... Like the added environment, going away, being in like warm conditions, you feel good about yourself, like you're happy. Um, I think it's all a massive, like all, all together, it it really helps your performance. But then, 
now having had sleepless nights with the kids and you know trying to hold down training full time and going in tired i yeah like r and r is is can can accelerate your fitness levels i think now so going away like i can remember leaving amanda with henry when he was just 3 months old and it absolutely killed me cuz yeah. i just didn't want to go but i had to go it's part you know part of my job and she fully supported me through it but that training trip my performance levels went through the roof because I was just getting 13 hours sleep. Yeah. Where I've never, I've not had it. 13 hours. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I needed it. I napped hard. <laughs> I napped hard. But going from being, you know, being tired and waking up three or four times a night with Henry to then having like complete sleep. Solid sleep. Yeah. I then saw the dramatic effect that I was thrown further. I was, I was fresher in the gym. So I was yeah. lifting better. Definitely. And before, you just don't notice it because it's the norm, isn't it? We, we, we were kids as well ourselves. And uh, I can imagine most guys in their early 20s were like, well, I'm made of rubber. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to bed at three o'clock. I'm going to be up at eight o'clock. I'm going to do my session. That's not going to be a problem. Um, whereas as you're older, you realize that no, actually the rest is the most important part of the whole process. It's all well and good having all the physio and you go cryotherapy and whatever else you use, ice baths and that, but there's no point if you don't sleep properly and you don't fuel your body properly. Um, I don't know what that's, how that's come about now because we were talking about warm weather training. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a Talk tan- to me, what's your worst training flight? Worst, your worst training camp? Worst one? Well, I I think just in in general was, was Shanghai. Um so Shanghai Shanghai nights Shanghai nights um, so I went on a bit of a whim um, so I've been with John for maybe six seven months in 2015 I think John Godina John Godina and he was we, we planned actually planned to go to Arizona which obviously was a bit more up my street mm-hmm. um, well, but that's he was where up, he lived as well should that surely be up his street as well yeah right up his street in his house thanks John but yeah Shanghai it was he was like right okay we've got Altis had a, a training camp out there and a training centre with all coaches. So he's like, look, I'm going to be out there. Why don't you come out for a week? Like, okay, cool. Cheap flight. And he's like, look, accommodation sorted, food sorted, centres all sorted. You just need to get flights. So obviously a cheap, a cheap trip in my eyes, but also I could go and get some good training out there with my coach. Oh, mate, it was so regimented. It was like going into an army barracks. It, they had like security on the front, um, like barbed wire fencing all around this campus um a block of flats that were a good 1970s decor good communist <laughs> a, a yeah. communist camp that and and it was all obviously you go to shanghai you're not going to expect like burgers and chips and wedges and stuff it was Shocking. yeah like like the best thing i had was sushi and okay. you got it by the boatload but there was raw fish Did you have, everything um, you could think of chicken Claw soup, or whatever it is. Yeah, we had like a, I think it was, it was a bird's tail soup with dumplings, which, yeah, and that was, that was your starter, which I completely bypassed. And McDonald's was a 35 minute walk, but it got Worth me it. fit. <laughs> it got me fit. It was so my, that was my endurance walk. training for that camp was going down to, to the local mall and there was, there was like a hot pot and a Nando's and oh, okay. and um, McDonald's and everything. So, but it wasn't that. It was just just the fact that no one spoke any English. Mm. 
it was only me and John and we're I think there for like a week or 10 days and yeah I didn't have I didn't train very well it was weird I always struggle with jet lag going east and yeah it just wasn't fun you know just when like if you're going on a trip with loads of cool people and you've got time to like drive around and hang out it's literally train in the center walk around a little bit Shanghai um because we're out in the middle of nowhere and then it was back to your room by eight o'clock at night and it was just so boring no wi-fi no yeah well they had wi-fi but it was it was slow and it, i mean as a training environment that like they were on it you know yeah those guys were the, the chinese olympic camps are like they're there for the honor of china so that yeah. the guys are determined they would love it like the chinese kids were loving it because to them it's a massive deal but for me as a training camp it was hot humid muggy yeah you've paid trained very well You've paid to go across, whereas they, they're like getting paid to be there. Yeah. Different mindset. So that was my, that was my worst one. That was my of, worst one. Talking of food on camps, in oh, and out Burger, <laughs> in and out Burger, did you get them in Arizona? In, um, no, we had to go, ah. we had to go west. You've had in and out Burger though? Yeah. yeah the best thing about California. Yeah. That is, uh, is it is it true they haven't got any on the east coast? I think it's just California, it's just as far California. as I'm aware, along, along the West Coast anyway, but I assume yeah. they would make it all the way to Arizona. But Double, double and triple, triple. Exactly. Triple, triple is standard. But do you know they've got a secret menu? Yeah. It goes up yeah, to yeah. 10, doesn't it? Animal fries and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Take me back. Yeah. Take me back. Yeah, like I think it's with, with us both enjoying America, um, probably for that reason alone, is that the food is obscene and you could quite easily do yourself an injustice through the camp by loading up on Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake Factory, In-N-Out Burgers. Enough said. Cheesecake Factory starters are bigger than my main meal. So that's our favourite and worst experiences. I guess, like, the next thing to chat about is, like, why we go, like, the purpose of mm-hmm. us going abroad. There's, there's lots of reasons. Um, we obviously talked about sleep. Um and a bit more focused time on our training. I'm going to let you talk about science because that's you're far smarter than me. We, I think we were talking about vitamin D, weren't we? Yeah, like I guess that's the the main real reason why like like you'd go to to a hot country um, is primarily we as uh, as athletes on the funding system we always get blood tests throughout the winter, and the one thing that will come back deficient is vitamin D. I'm pretty sure everyone in Britain has yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. A, like, a vitamin D deficiency deficiency. And it's and it's always you go and see the doc and he's like, here's 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 your vitamin D supplementation. Like it's natural because yeah. we don't obviously we have rubbish winters where it's not sunny. It's also like has a massive uh, effect on your mind state. Um I've noticed it when I'm in Florida, like they supplement vitamin D in everything. And they live in Florida. <laughs> so it must be <laughs> really? a good thing, you know, like it's hot. It's sunny there most of the time. So having your breakfast with vitamin D. Well, before, yeah, all the cereals and stuff, the milk is vitamin D enriched and stuff. So it's um, us in the uh, being in the UK, it's something that's probably we we don't use enough, and maybe it'll make us happier, happier. Yeah, people. it always it always does, doesn't it? Like whenever you've been on vitamin D supplementation, or you go away in the sun, and then your body's like absorbing this positive energy because essentially, like vitamin D. It synthesized through the skin, um, and then it gets into your, your cardiovascular system through the bloodstream. But 
it also is a positive hormone. Um, you know, obviously the benefits are for your muscles, like for your, um, like I said, blood plasma levels, but also it's like a, ha it's a happy hormone that you get from the sun. It like makes that. you happy. Happy hormone. Happy hormone. Um, Next one is hot. Yeah. It's just nice to be warm when you're training. I think uh, everyone trains better when they're warmer. Your muscles are more elastic and um, you always feel like you can put more power into what you're doing when it's, I, I really can sprint when it's hot, when it's cold, it's you're running at 90% instead of a hundred percent. And it's just, that's just the way you're protecting your body. Do you, do you just feel like, do you feel like the instant benefit as soon as you, or do you, does it take some time? You know, like some people, I mean, I've been away for, we've been away for months at a time, but mm -hmm. like how long does it really take you to feel like you're starting to benefit from being in the warm? Day one. Day one. Day one for me, my, my tone and my body drops. I think um, over the years we've realised that heat is something important for me. It's part of my plan in the UK where I have saunas and hot baths and stuff like that. But um, waking up and being warm is, my body just loves it. I think yeah. I'm like Jamaican really. <laughs> yeah. My Irish parents are slightly Jamaican or something along the way. But um, no, we, uh, just being warm and waking up and feeling good about making your body feel good without having to do any extra work for it is uh, it's, uh, it's a massive benefit. Yeah. And relatively, like um, if you spend all the fortune on going to a gym all the time, you might as well just go to live in a warm country, do it that way, a bit cheaper. Yeah. So obviously like we talk about like you get an instant drop in body tone as soon, you know, you, mm -hmm. you feel, feel fresher, feel looser. Do you like change your sessions according to like, a warm weather training stint, is that the same, same as Rainy Loughborough? Or? I think the intensity of the sessions changes slightly. Obviously, it depends on jet lag, like how long you... normally takes me a week, depending on how many hours we've gone. Um, I was in Japan last week, and it took me about a week to get over the jet lag there. Um, so my first week was pretty easy. But then once you get to... Your body's adapted and you're ready to go, it's like we smash out some sessions. Yeah. Um, I think Stellenbosch is always the best one because we don't get much jet lag there. Oh, Stellenbosch. Stellenbosch. <laughs> Food's good. Weather's good. Everything's cheap. You just, every every time you just... One hour time difference. Christmas just goes fast. So, you know, January's coming and Stellenbosch camp is upon us. Yeah. That's always a hard camp though. We bully ourselves out there. We put some big work, big, big sessions in. And because it's so hot there, like it goes up to, obviously it goes too hot when it's like 38 degrees, 40 degrees. But... Um, when it's in like high 20s, low 30s, you can really do some incredibly tough sessions and at a higher intensity, some real speed. So there's a big pickup from when you're in Loughborough and it's minus five and you're trying oh, yeah. to sprint around the bend. It's just not possible. So, so yeah. um, the opportunity to go there and do those sessions is uh, it's a big deal. So uh, let's talk about Stellenbosch because I love yeah. Stellenbosch. Stellenbosch is like... like won't name names, but we've seen a few people abuse Stellenbosch. As in, it was it on the outset. It was it was a it was a great warm weather training trip for people mm -hmm. who utilize it well, like ourselves. But also, it was so relaxed and so steady that you could have easily switched off a little bit. And people have had day trips out. And well, I think coaches love it because they get to go on the wine tours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. blame them. Like if I'm there for four weeks in some of the best wine regions in the world and I'm not training. You're going to sample some of the good stuff. You're going to sample the best wines in the world and 
it's always entertaining when you see them come in and they're trying to sneak in back into the hotels and they're their faces are a different colour because they've been drinking all day and um, you don't see them the next day because they've been sleeping it off. But, um, yeah, they're not at the tracks quite as enthusiastic. Like athletes, uh, for me, because I don't do indoors, I'm, I'm happily, I'll have a glass of wine in my dinner, it's not a problem. Yeah. Um, maybe a bottle of wine. But it's it's just part of the, like it's, it's the right time of year. Whereas if it was yeah. in April, don't oh, really yeah. have that, that luxury. I kind of, once I get to April, it's... Uh, it's a different game. So Stellenbosch offers like a great kind of heavy, heavy training load camp with perfect weather, perfect conditions and the luxury of some really good food and wine. Oh, amazing steaks and amazing Dirt wine. Cheap. So I think it was just, as a camp, it was so good because you've got the weather, obviously you've got the great food, great climate, like there was a great bunch of people out there, wasn't there? Like a great bunch of athletes had such a good laugh. We had a good camp out there. And it was like, it was the halfway point between obviously done a good stint of winter training and then you're not so like you say in April we're not so focused on the season it was like right now we've got like four or five weeks in great weather great conditions to really nail nail some great training like for me it was it was a, a great camp to utilize from being indoors throwing indoors for three or four months to then going outside and seeing where we're at and you could do so in like you say high 30 degree heat yeah. and yeah, we, we went in 2012, didn't we? We went yeah, in 2012, yeah. That was good. That, that was, was a big, big camp. It was a good trip. Yeah, it was it was massive, wasn't it? It was like 40, 50 athletes there yeah. from Britain alone. And then I was there in January and it was myself, James Ellington and Christian Taylor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it Has it changed much since 2012? New, new track. Um, they've redone the track, finally. Um, they've finally finished the swimming pool. <laughs> the gym is massive. Should tell you what I can the funny oh my god the fun, I hope they don't mind me saying this the funniest thing I've ever seen was we all had a swimming race it was Harry AA James DeSalu James Ellington myself I don't know were you in that race no I didn't race no, you I didn't race swim. Um, I know you can swim as well but like it's not really oh, fair there was, on those guys. oh um though I think it was Sophie Hitchin maybe I think it's Sophie Hitchin oh was this in the is SAS. No, this was in, yeah, this was in the main pool. The big pool, the big 50 metre pool. The open air one. Yeah. And we'd all finished the race and um, we looked back and James DeSalu's clinging onto the side, like arching along like a crab. Oh, it's just. Yeah, man, some people can't swim. Just can't swim. Harry had a good go. For someone who couldn't swim, he was giving it. He was windmilling it big time. He was windmilling. And to be fair, I was quite impressed. For someone who couldn't swim, it was, you're in a deep, deep pool and he had a go. Surprised in sync with these muscles, man. It's like, it's like powering so along much. like an outboard motor. <laughs> and he was like, I'm thinking, why the hell? With that muscle tone, you should be swimming at the bottom. He, yeah. He always said it. Yeah. He floats like a brick. So um, it was a good effort. Dude. Right. Back to the, back to why did we go to warm weather training? Yeah. Competition. Uh, you go to, you used to go to San Diego and Arizona and, the West Coast is obviously of the USA is a, a hotbed of early competition yeah. opportunities. Yeah, like for me, I think it was great. Obviously, training in Arizona is nice with the heat, and then going to the coast, like for sprinters or like yourself, like four hundred meters. I'm a sprinter. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> That's why I said like yourself. <laughs> um, but you see, you could go there and set the set the world on fire um, with. You know, so let's let's just say 110 meter hurdles, 
you go, let's say you're in great shape and you broke a record. Anything over two meters a second, you're done, aren't you? Like it just becomes a world best or a world lead. For me, I went to the coast to chase the, like chase the wind. So we go to San Diego, big wins, and people go and PB all the time, and you get world leads. Yeah, yeah. You you climb up the rankings, and that that for us was a great boost for your season because the collegiate season starts end of February, um, start of uh, March, um, and and it runs right through till May. So there's loads of comps out in the states, and for me, yeah, San Diego was just was just amazing like you got we had one um one throws area that was right on the cliff and so the wind would whip in from the sea and you get these massive headwinds and people go there and put like four or five meters on as pb you also and it, had like and it wasn't of, illegal you used also had like some of the best guys in the world come as well it wasn't like a rinky dink comp where no one was there you get like real world-class throwers so congregating in the same area so they can all compete at the same time which is only going to be a benefit to a British athlete chasing a standard or chasing a PB or whatever. So yeah, I can remember 2012 year. I went obviously. I think my PB was like 59 in bits, um, trying to chase a 60 meter barrier, and I was in flight three, and each yeah. flight had like 12 people in. So there was effectively 24 other people that had thrown over 60 meters, and I was like, what? And you got three throws, and then the top three or four from that throws went into like the final. Oh, wow. Um, and so they had a final, like a final, final comp at the end. And that was like the standard at that point in time in the, in that point of year in April. Yeah. You've got some of the, like you say, some of the best guys in the world competing at these comps. And so it was a huge lift and a huge um, kind of, it, it just really made the warm of a training trip worthwhile going mm. to then compete against some of these big guys as you'd, you'd then be preparing for your season. Yeah. As a, as a sprinter, like if you go to even Mount Sacklet relays or Florida relays, um, you're all surrounded by the best in your event, pretty much. Like most uh, of the best 400 meter runners in the world or ones and two runners seem to be in that Florida time zone. So um, the opportunity to race them early doors, see where you're at without. There's no real pressure. It's just about training and we, you're probably training through the competition, but the opportunity to do it whilst you're abroad, no disrespect to the, um, some of the meets in the UK, like it's just the standard's so much higher. Mm. It's basically like going to a Diamond League straight away and going straight in. Straight. And um, I think that's a huge thing about warm weather training that's kind of missed. It's like the opportunity to race against the best athletes is what British athletes need to do more of. Do you think they're, like, they're scared, do you say? Like, as in... They see like it as warm weather training as a chunk of time where they're there to train, and that word competition shouldn't enter that. Kind of. No, you just understand that the competitions that you're doing are part of your training. Um, my coach, previous coach, Rainer Ryder, just he'd batter me all week, and he'd be like, "Right, you're on a four and a four by four on Sunday or Saturday, or whatever." Um, he did it to me where, right, you're going to pace an 800 to 600 meters uh, in the B race got there on the day, was going into call-up, and he said, no, actually, now you're in that A-race, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Lane one, go for it. And uh, Gun to tape. Oh, absolutely horrible. And then I, I died a hot, like, ran terribly. I thought, thought I'd run really slow, walked it in the last bit, and I was like, just off my PB, and I was like, oh, should have just kept going, because okay, that yeah. training was good. And But um, those opportunities you get from warm weather training, 
the heat, vitamin D, the sleep, the competitions, um, sometimes a bit of culture. Depends where you go. Shanghai. It was Shanghai. It was, it was good. It was just different. And yeah. like you say, at competition times, all we see is hotel, road, track. And then if you finish early, you can have a couple of days out. Mm. And like, it was, it, it is nice when you, when you're away that you can, we can go and drive around and like in Arizona, go and see the Grand Canyon or um, in LA, go and see like Hollywood Boulevard and things like that. Just like day trips. That, and, and it is quite, I guess this is like another thing we could chat about is like people's perceptions of it. Sometimes they just think it's a jolly holiday and, but it is quite, it is quite your tough. your wife thinks it's a jolly holiday. <laughs> Amanda's, <laughs> Amanda's like, yeah, off he goes again, suntanning it up. Yeah. I think uh, Kate, she's, um, yeah, that'd be quite she understands what it's about. Yeah. Um, and she understands we're out there trading, but like, uh, yeah, we need that recovery up. around the pool. That's what we're saying. <laughs> I think she does think I have a bit of a holiday sometimes. But like, fair I, enough. Because some of my mates, they get, they're like, "Oh, you're going away again? Hot climate?" And they must get like, they must just see it for that rather than, like, I guess you go on holiday. You don't. When we go warm weather training, like, there's some niceties about it. Obviously, you get good conditions and everything. But effectively, not going to sit around a pool or sit by the beach and have that whole holiday experience where you go on holiday and you're nice and relaxed. Like you, we've still got to put the hard work in under immense heat, and it's, it is tougher than training here. Yeah, in that it, respect. It, yeah, I, I get annoyed when athletes call it holidays. Oh yeah, I've been on training camps with people when I was training with Nick's group, Nick Dakin's group, and uh, people genuinely thought they were on holiday. I was like, no. No. do one <laughs> I, I can't I can't be around people if I'm going on camp I'm on a hard camp I'm there to train and uh, I like to socialise but I like to I'm there the main thing is to be on training camp whereas there are people who come out there and they piss me off when they're there like just sitting by the pool getting their Instagram stuff done and whatever I'm like come on man we're here to do a job and if you don't understand that then maybe you shouldn't be here the sunlight's so good for my abs <laughs> <laughs> like they're getting paid by the public well, yeah. not not everyone. No, not a everyone, lot of people yeah. obviously paid their own money to be there, and I understand it's their opportunity to do whatever they want to do. But um, if you're going on on a warm weather camp, understand that this is part of your job. It's a, it's an investment in your own career. It's not about having a good time. And like Shanghai probably was a horrible time, but your training probably was all right. Like, yeah. And that's the kind of the most important thing that get, I get out of it. Um, like I went to Australia last year for the Commonwealth Games, but I was there as basically as part of my warm weather camp and then there was a race at the end of it um, and the training went well so it was never about no, yeah. having a good time it was just all about getting the right the right work done yeah. oh yeah massively and that's what you, you look at some of these guys when they go to Kenya and Ethiopia and I don't think they have the best time in the world I don't think most no. have the best time recently but they're there to do hard work and that's all that matters um, yeah, these... I think that's the perception that's kind of missed it's like we talked about the intensity of training that goes up when you go away. If you're out there throwing every day, 60 throws a day or 100 throws, how many throws do you throw a day? Uh, yeah, 60 to 100, depending yeah. on intensity. But yeah, like a good solid, like say, for instance, we're at night, like 85 degrees at 9am in, in Phoenix and we're out there throwing for two hours and by the time we'd finished it was like 94 degrees. Like that... Like for me, like it's, and you're doing that every day for like, say six weeks or well, weekends off, but yeah, most days, cause you want to, you know, effectively it's blue sky every day. 
So you need to you need to work hard and, and make, make the most of it. Um, Gotta make hay whilst the sun shines. The other part of warm weather training we haven't talked about is possibly sharing a room with someone for up to two months. Yeah, that it can be a tricky one, can't it? Yeah, like um, I suppose once you've moved out of your house at home, you tend to have a room to yourself unless you're obviously with your partner or whatever. But uh, yeah, when you're going and sharing with a rival or a training partner or someone you get stuck with, yeah, who's uh, what memorable memorable roommates have you had? Oh, roommates, that's a good one actually. Um, like for me, I guess like. Before, obviously, Johnny Peacock was the Johnny Peacock we all know and love now. Um, he was back. This was back Dance in twenty. Yeah, yeah, before he was, uh, it's got his dancing feet on and uh, yeah, yeah, was multiple world and Paralympic champion. A young like, man. Yeah, we were twenty twelve. I think it was the first time, like me and Johnny had ever roomed together um, back in Stellenbosch in a little guest house. Um, and it was the first time I guess I'd really roomed with like an amputee. So you didn't really understand like, you know, what was going on, like how, you know, how they prepare their leg in the mornings, like have to wash it and just how they showered and everything like that. And it was really cool to hang out with Johnny. He was only young and it was, it was really good fun. Like we had, we had a lot of banter and but man, that boy can sleep. Like <laughs> he'd have a session at like 11 o'clock and he'd be up at maybe like quarter past 10. Yeah. Like he's so relaxed, just like showers, and then like just casually going for breakfast for five minutes and then walk up to the track and then go and smash out a session. It was, it was bonkers. A sprinter lifestyle. Yeah. But, and he's, he probably, probably won't mind me saying this, but yeah, messy as hell. Is he, is he messy? Yeah. Well, he's probably up to his game now. I've shared it with him a few times. Okay. And at the World Champs, he'd up to his game. But yeah, back yeah. then, literally it was like boxers everywhere and socks everywhere. Well, I'm like, I'm quite, you know, this, you know, we're sharing a space here. I've got to be, got to be pretty compliant. But Johnny, yeah. back then, back in the day when he was a young lad, was just stuff was strewn everywhere. Right. It, was, it was pretty hilarious. Yeah. What the about youth, you? The youth, um, good roommates. Recently, um, I was in Japan for the World Relays. I know it's uh, not warm weather, but I was with Danny Talbot for a couple of days. Oh, cool. He's got kind of OCD with his room. Like it was, per we had tiny little bedrooms, like business rooms business bedrooms and um, it was kind of OCD with how everything was laid out but it was good to have that um, back yeah. in the day we used to mix about of our training group so I roomed with David Gillick quite a lot he was tidy he was went to bed at normal times Nathan Woodward he was the perfect roommate because he was deaf in one ear so he literally would lie <laughs> so on his good ear he could and then he was gone yeah. so you could sit and watch a movie if you wanted to watch a movie or whatever he, he was out for the that count that sounds like the perfect roommate oh, you mate. could just you don't have to like that's another thing is like personal space isn't it so you don't have to like pussyfoot around them or like yeah. just be really like didn't encroach be conscious on his space. yeah it's, it's weird isn't it when you've gone from sharing or having your own space and then you have to two grown up well fairly grown up humans Sharing a small space together. Yeah. Normally, when you go to these hotels, they're not like lavish hotels or anything. Uh, in Stellenbosch, the SAS Academy, um, the rooms are good size, but yeah, and you're sharing a bathroom with someone the whole cozy. time. So you have to make sure you get someone who's clean, someone who cleans up after themselves and keeps tidy. And that's something that comes with experience. I think uh, 
you understand if you're clean and tidy, the other person will respect that and they'll be clean and tidy. And it's um, that's always hard on camps. You do get people, I won't name any of these names, but <laughs> who are awful. And they smell and they don't clean properly. They don't clean themselves properly. They don't, they don't, they listen to music loud and stuff like that. So you get a lot of that still, but uh, I've been fairly, fairly lucky. Fairly lucky. Yeah, it, uh, it must be, but it, I can remember it was always a bigger deal when I was younger, like going to, this is like obviously a competition, but the other side of the world, when I went to Sydney in 2000, um, I roomed with this guy called Mark Smale and like, we're a massive shot put wheelchair guy, like the loveliest guy you'll meet, like really nice, like, but he snored so loud. <laughs> it was like sleeping next to a rhino. It yeah. was unbelievable. And uh, it actually worked out quite well because in the end we both got our own rooms. So we oh, got nice. separate rooms just primarily because it was, a, I was just getting no sleep. I yeah. was getting tired, tired. Jet lag and everything. Yeah. I could just, obviously it's not warm over training camp, but just on a comp. And, and I was young and I was just, I didn't really then have the balls to say like, mm can we sort this out? I just went along with it. But then in the end, he was like, oh, I think you look knackered. I think you need to say something. Oh, so to control the situation. But you can't do that on camps because if you, if you get a house with guys, you can't like, you haven't got the luxury to then go and have like a 10 bedroom house and each each no. one of you have your own room. You normally squeeze everyone in. Airbnb. Especially if Like we used to go to California, the accommodation wasn't cheap. Flights weren't too bad. Track, everything was brilliant. But like the accommodation was expensive. So, you might have six guys in a, a three bed apartment or whatever, and it was always like maybe two by two by uh, two bathrooms, so it was always a bit tight there. But I remember I went two thousand eight, I turned twenty. My birthday always seems is always when we're way warm weather training. It used to be a big deal; it's not a big deal anymore. But my twenty first, I was where there in Irvine with Phil Taylor, Phil the Power Taylor, Phil the Power Taylor. Good friend of both of ours, uh, Matt Elias, Graham Hedman, David Gillick, somebody else. Oh, and Dakin, <laughs> Nick Dakin. Nick Dakin. So Graham was in with Dakin, um, Elias and Power room together, and then I was in with Gillick, and that was a good apartment. That was good fun. Phil Taylor destroying the place, and Dakin <laughs> threatening them with the making them pay the deposit or whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> it was a great time. And uh, shout out to the BBC. Uh, WhatsApp group though. Oh yeah. <laughs> Not the BBC TV. The BBC. Just the WhatsApp group. Just the WhatsApp group. But, uh, nice. Yeah, no, it's a roommates can make a break a camp for anyone. If you get the wrong roommate, you can have the wrong experience. It can really put you in a down mood and kind of waste the opportunities that we've got. Like I said earlier about um you're there to do a job and train at the best yeah. you can train, then if you're with the wrong roommate, that really can affect it. So you gotta be lucky. You gotta be What's the word? You've got to just stand up and say, look, this isn't the right, uh, right for me. Yeah, you've got to be ballsy, haven't you? And, like, yeah, ballsy. And, and, and kind of fight your own corner to a certain extent because you know it's your livelihood as well as theirs. Yeah. Especially um, if you're paid to be there. It's kind of like, well, yeah. paid to stay in a... Yeah, like paid trips are like, especially like with British athletics, I think are vital that you, um, that you get the cohesion right between athletes. You know, and that we yeah, you need a you need a strong group a good of mixture. mates to be around. In it, if someone wants to change a room, then <laughs> it's it going to get it pretty can awkward. cause arg arguments. It can cause 
some discussions. I remember Graham Hedman was the best at that. He kind of just took everything on the chin and was like, okay, I'll do it, whatever it means to get the camp going. And he was very, very easygoing. Um, I suppose I'm quite highly strung, so I was always pushing for the right roommate. But uh, he um, he was always brilliant on camps, championships and stuff. Um, being a bad roommate can stop you getting picked these days, like especially in relays. It's like if you're a bad roommate, and even if you're, say you're on the cusp and you're not likely to be in the strike four, we make a break for you. Yeah. It really could be. And that's just at, that's at a championship. So how you are on warm weather camps, especially if you're on a funded camp, can affect your future selection. So it's up to people to be good roommates. Yeah, you got to hold yourself. I just show that you can the, be a team yeah, player. Yeah, and just like have the conscience that, it's like, especially like you're saying, relay camps and things like that, it's not just you. Yeah. You're you're part of like we're all part of the GB team, we're all individuals vying for medals, but you've got to be conscious that other people are doing that as well. You can't yeah. be that selfish. That selfish. No, so it's uh it's an interesting one. But um no, I was very lucky like when I have had a bit of bad roommate, um, there's always been someone who's willing to do a quick swap. <laughs> do you mind? Please. <laughs> Please, please uh, take this person. I'll pay for your share of the, the car or something. <laughs> Make it happen. So, warm weather training done. Episode two. WW two. A few stories in there. <laughs> yeah, it's been a. It's a. I hope you've got some insight from it. Um, I hope you don't think that we're just all spoiled, and uh, you understand <laughs> um, the necessities of warm weather training. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it and. If you did, yeah, like please. Obviously, we'd love a five star review and for you to subscribe so you can listen to our next pod. Even um, a four star would do. Yeah, we're not fussy. Um, but yeah, like you know, we we love doing this and and talking about our experiences and and we hope you guys enjoy listening to it as much as we do making them. Brilliant. Uh, so yeah, like, share, uh, subscribe. It's a standard yeah. garble. Yeah, so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks again, guys. <laughs>